0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the confluence cast presented by columbus underground we are a weekly columbus centric podcast focusing on the civics lifestyle entertainment and people of our city i'm your host tim fulton this week on the occasion of dine originals week coming up september 18th through 24th I sat down with Shelly Mann, Dine Originals Columbus's executive director, to talk about the organization, some of the restaurants you can check out during Dine Originals week, and we talk about Shelly's work doing public relations in Columbus. And in a bonus interview, I spoke with the founders of the restaurant Ambrose and Eve, slated to open in German Village next year. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. Enjoy the interviews. Sitting down here with Shelly Mann, the executive director of Dine Originals Columbus. Shelly, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Coming up towards the end of September, September 18th through 24th, we are sitting down here on the occasion of Dine Originals Week. The 35 Dine Originals restaurants will be offering pre-fee three-course menus uh, for a fixed price, that's what pre-fee means, (laughs) to customers to basically come and check out their restaurant. Shelly, tell us what is Dine Originals?
1: Yeah, Dine Originals is a nonprofit organization. It's been around for over a decade. And really, the, the goal is to provide a group of independent restaurants in Columbus to sort of band together mm-hmm. and really talk about, you know, what are the benefits of eating, dining out at your independent restaurants. Okay. So we're really helping to market and promote our city's independent restaurant scene and trying to educate diners on why it's important to support these restaurants and keep the money in our community as opposed to choosing a chain restaurant when you're going out to eat.
0: Gotcha. And so by virtue of them banding together, they can focus their marketing efforts together. A big big part of that is Dine Originals Week. You
1: Mm -hmm. guys also
0: every May do an event called Taste of Dine Originals at Franklin Park. So what, as a consumer, what do you offer me? (laughs)
1: Well, yes, we are. One of our main ways that we bring in revenue is we sell gift certificates to the consumers Mm -hmm. through our website. And so we collect gift certificates from all of our member restaurants. And then we sell those back to the customer at 30% off face value. Okay, so we do our sales four times a year. So it's a quarterly sale.
0: Oh, so you can't just go on at any time.
1: Well, you can, but
0: depending on if they're available,
1: yeah. They so sell out. The popular ones sell out. Okay. right away. And who then, sell. I'm
0: not going Let's not talk <laughs> about who doesn't sell out, but who does sell out quickly. Oh
1: man! So you know, the refectory, they sell out really quickly. Okay, skillet.
0: What's the price point? Barcelona. Like, is it like fifty bucks, a hundred, or
1: we have different price points? So we have some that are fifty dollar gift certificates, and you can buy them for thirty five dollars. Okay. And then we have $25 gift certificates that you can buy for 17.50. And then we have some that are $10 gift certificates that you can buy for 7.50. I see. So we've all different prices. And that
0: depends on the restaurant and the price point yes. that the restaurant is. And they're not trying to they don't set a point where it's like, "Oh, it's only $10 and our average meal is $12." It doesn't really happen that way, right? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> they can choose what denomination they want to sell. I see. Yeah.
0: And when does that sale happen?
1: Those happen every year. So our, our most recent one ha- launched the first week of August. Okay. And then Still some stuff on there. Yeah, there's okay. still some stuff on there to check out. And then we'll have our next one in November, the first week of November. So it's generally it's the first week of February, May, August, November.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And the does the November one tend to be more popular because it does. people
1: holiday shopping
0: right well and you don't (laughs) the gift card doesn't say I bought this for 30% off that's true there you go yes save 30% on your (laughs) gifts this November talk about Dine Originals week and sort of what some of the participating restaurants are what's the price range of the menus
1: yeah, so Dine Originals Week. Actually, this is a fun fact for you. Dine Originals Week was Columbus's first restaurant week.
0: I remember when it was the only <laughs> restaurant week. So,
1: yeah, when Dine Originals was founded, it was really founded by the restaurants. They they mm-hmm. banded together. And at that time, there was a national Dine Originals organization. So there oh, would okay. be Dine Originals groups in different cities across the country.
0: Is that not a national organization? It's actually,
1: it's not a national organization anymore. There are still chapters in some cities.
0: Do you consider yourself a chapter of it? Were you part of the larger organization? We were part of the large
1: organization. So the larger organization does not exist, so we're not technically a chapter. We did form into our own nonprofit organization after the national organization disbanded. Okay. But, you know, at the time that Dine Originals was created, restaurant weeks were kind of the new concept mm-hmm. and, you know, a really exciting way to get people going out to eat mm-hmm. on slow time during slow times of the year for the restaurants. Right. So that's why we do them and we do ours in March and September. OK. And, you know, we're really trying to get people to come in on week on weeknights as well. So, right. you know, the special runs through the weekend, but restaurants a lot of times are, you know struggling to get people in on the weeknights of these times a year. Right. So our restaurant week, we took a little hiatus. And okay. And then we brought it back starting last year. And so we do these, like I said, twice a year. Mm-hmm. And all of our restaurants offer, generally there are three course menus and you get them for the fixed price point. Okay. So you know, you know what you're going to pay going in. Our menus range in price from $15 up to $40. Okay. And what's like a $40 restaurant. The refectory, there's is actually 39.50. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has exactly 40. <laughs> yeah, so they're you know like some of the higher end restaurants are doing the $40 and Got then it. someone like Chili Verde Cafe. Okay. There's is in the $15 gotcha. price range. And so
0: you're getting three courses, so you're getting like right. an appetizer or salad or soup portion, mm-hmm. a Main course and then a dessert. Tends Typically, to be, yeah. yeah.
1: And the menus are all different. So, you know, it's, it's, it can be really fun to kind of poke through. We put them all online on our website. So, some of the restaurants And you'll plug do the website for me. DineOriginalsColumbus.com.
0: And that will be linked in the show notes as well. Go on.
1: <laughs> so, some of the restaurants will do something like, you know, a soup and salad and then an appetizer and then a main course or, you know, so some of them don't include a dessert. Or maybe you get, like, two kind of main course C type things. Okay. So they're all different, and they're all really interesting. Cool. Just to kind of look through. but And generally, you know, for the restaurant week, the chef is doing something a little more creative. Okay. He or she are working in seasonal ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um. So this time around, it's, you know, there's a lot of wild game meat and, okay. you know, warmer soups and kind of turning towards the fall.
0: So, while the items are typical of the restaurant, these are special items. Yes. Gotcha. So, they're definitely
1: things that you can only get during restaurant week. So, it's another reason to go out and check these menus out.
0: Great. How does the restaurant join Dine Originals? What are the, the requirements? Yeah, the
1: requirements are you have to be independently owned and operated. Okay. So, that means, you know, you're. The McDonald's owner cannot that works join. In there. <laughs> yeah, no, any chain restaurant cannot join. Okay. If you're owned by, you know, a company that owns many other restaurants. Or
0: you're a franchisor. Yeah. Right.
1: So you have to have six locations or less Okay. as well. So we do have some local chains.
0: What's an does example of that?
1: Well, Chili Verde Cafe does have two locations. Okay. So that's an example. Um, the Wine Bistro is okay. a member. They have right now three locations.
0: I didn't realize um, the they were bistro. locally owned and operated.
1: They are. And they actually just bought Cat Singers. Really? Which means that they have four locations.
0: Is that news?
1: (laughs) No. When did that happen? Last year. (laughs) Okay.
0: But someone like Cameron Mitchell, while there may only be two Cap City Diners, he owns a significant number of restaurants. So he has the Pearl, the
1: House. He probably has six in Short North.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) he probably has six in one block in the Short North. (laughs) Listen to my interview with Katie Rondazzo later for (laughs) more digs and yet respect of Cameron Mitchell. Cool. And so what do they have to, how do they, are they contributing a check? How do they, how do they join? So
1: our dues are actually those gift certificates that I just mentioned. So it's actually an easy way for a restaurant to, to join something like this. Because they're really, they're donating gift certificates to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. We sell them on their behalf, so it's so they're
0: actually they're not even giving you anything. They're no. allowing you to, <laughs> to sell to sell rather collect revenue. That right. then they honor the gift card. They
1: honor the gift card, Got so it. they don't get any money when you bring in the gift card in.
0: Gotcha. So but typically, make sure you know. You're
1: yes. <laughs> Please make sure you're tipping heavily. Yes. And a lot of times, you know, especially if it's a ten dollar gift card, I mean, you're probably spending more money when you go in Got than it. just the ten dollars. Got it. So, you know, we're helping to bring new new customers into the restaurants that might not go in otherwise. We're helping to fill seats that might be empty otherwise mm-hmm. for the restaurants. So there are a lot of benefits for the restaurant to joining and in doing our gift certificate program.
0: And then so How did you get here? What's your, (laughs) I I sort of know this story, but what's your background that brought you to Dine Originals?
1: Yeah, so I started out in journalism, Mm -hmm. and I was working for the Dispatch printing company, Mm -hmm. and I...
0: So this is the time in the episode where I give my full disclosure that you and I used (laughs) to work together tangentially for the Alive. Alive. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, so when I was at Alive, the... You know, higher ups at the dispatch started talking about wanting to start a food magazine. Mm-hmm. And I was on some of the early committees and talking about the food magazine, which became Crave. Okay. And
0: Crave's still around. No,
1: okay. sadly. <laughs> so, my and then- how many ancillary
0: <laughs> products we've seen come and go. <laughs>
1: And I ended up being able to be the first editor of Crave when it launched. Mm-hmm. So that was a magazine covering the restaurant scene in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And once the Dispatch was purchased by Gatehouse, Gate Gatehouse, right? Yeah, Gatehouse Media. Yeah, they did close down both Crave and Capital Style, unfortunately. But oh, that's when it happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, so I was writing stories about the restaurant scene for my for my job back then, and I got to know a lot of the chefs and owners Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so I actually, for a lot of different reasons, I decided to leave the journalism world and start my own company, which is called Umami Consulting. Okay. And I was I'm still do Umami (laughs) as well, but so I work with. independent restaurants and help them with marketing and PR efforts. Okay. So what I was seeing when I was interviewing these chefs and owners is that a lot of the independent restaurants, you know, they don't have, they don't have the budget to hire someone specifically dedicated to do marketing. To do marketing. Right. And so they're doing it themselves and, you know, the owner is doing the marketing or the chef is doing the marketing and they don't really have the time or capacity to do that. They want
0: to be running a business.
1: Right. Yeah. So being able to offer, you know, packages designed for restaurants Mm-hmm. To help them tell their story okay. was seemed like a need in the city and it has been. What do know. those
0: packages look like? Is it like what's the low end? Not price point, but <laughs> what do you actually offer on? Yeah, the low end? I
1: mean, so like a low end would be a one press a PR, release for yeah, like okay. a PR package where you know, anytime you're having a special event or something that you mm-hmm. want to spread the word on. You would call me up, and I would write a press release for you, and send it to all the local media outlets, mm-hmm. and, and get it on the follow calendars up, and, and yeah, yeah, try to get you media coverage. Got it. So that would be low end. And then for some of my clients that I'm working with, I do everything from helping them with purchasing ads. Mm-hmm. Figuring out where the best places to spend their ad money, and you know how big their ad you know should be, and then designing the ads for them. Got it. Coming up with ideas for marketing campaigns and promotions, and then
0: and even helping organize events. That, yeah, right.
1: Organizing events, I do a lot of that, and then you know social media, that kind of thing. Gotcha. I can also help with
0: makes sense. Yeah. Can we talk about the movie?
1: Wait a second. We can. Okay. But let me... D- say how I got to Dine Originals. Okay, finish, finish that the story. Sure. So I was doing umami, and then Dine Originals approached me when their previous executive director left, Catherine okay. Moore, okay, and asked if I could take on the executive director role. And it actually it fits in really nicely with what I'm doing already. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really just about marketing and, and doing you know public relations work for the independent restaurant scene. And so a lot of my clients are actually were Dine Originals restaurants and are Dine Originals restaurants so gotcha. yeah so it was a really good fit and so I do this is just a part-time job for me but. got it
0: that's great so and part of your sort of freelance and contract marketing efforts you actually worked with the what's his name
1: Morgan Spurlock
0: you actually worked with Morgan Spurlock's company when he came into town and did that little pop-up joke restaurant for the movie that it hasn't come out yet right
1: it's premiering this month at the Toronto Film Festival. Okay, I don't know so when that starts.
0: It's doing the festival circuit. Yeah. Can you talk about that experience and what it was like? What's the name of the film?
1: It's, I guess it's going to be called uh, Super Size Me Two. Okay. Holy Chicken.
0: Holy Chicken. And Holy Chicken was the name of the pop-up restaurant up in Westerville. So the press surrounding it, to be clear, your role was literally... Public relations for this.
1: Yeah. Lo- local public relations. Local public yeah.
0: relations. So, your job was to convey to the media that this thing was happening, that Morgan Spurlock was behind it. And you did that. You were paid to do that. And so, you sent out press releases. You contacted television stations. You actually did some outreach to city officials, correct? Correct. And so, there was some backlash there because. Even though the name Morgan Spurlock was attached to it, everybody just got all, I think Columbus does this too much, got all sort of excited about a famous person being here and said, isn't this great? Everything must be on the up and up. This, this isn't a joke. No one's making fun of us. And, I, and so give us the rundown basically on what Holy Chicken, what that pop-up restaurant was.
1: Yeah, it's not a joke. I mean, I'd, I still stand by that statement okay <laughs> so and i have not seen the movie so i okay. i i you know i'm looking forward to seeing it and and seeing how everything mm-hmm. turns out to be portrayed but yeah so what happened is the morgan Spurlock team film mm-hmm. team contacted me just through uh googling like columbus, columbus restaurant, restaurant pr right <laughs> pr and so i came on as a as a you know a, a paid like
0: you're a consultant. consultant. right,
1: for this project. And yeah, exactly what you said. You know, I we we shared the information that there it was going to be a pop-up restaurant mm-hmm. brought to you by Morgan Spurlock, you know, documentary of, filmmaker. Of super size me fame. <laughs> right. And he's trying something different out, which we were very specific in describing the um the sourcing of the chicken mm-hmm. and used, you know, exactly the words that he wanted to use and
0: Okay. Wait, so even the press release was like what's the, the halo of health?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, you know, I think it, like nothing was ever false, nothing was ever everything that we said was exactly what you got when you got to the restaurant. Right. Um so, you know, it's like people hear the word Fresh, fresh, farm fresh, right. <laughs> and they assume that, that it's, it's healthy. something right specific. And yeah, you assume that it's that it's healthy, even though we actually, you know, like gave ahead of time the calorie. Information for the sandwich, right. which was absolutely not healthy. Right, <laughs> like, it was more calories than a Big Mac.
0: Well, it's why people perceive that you go to Chipotle and you're eating a two thousand calorie burrito, and right. that, that 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 is somehow good for you. Right. It's not. You're <laughs> engorging yourself on food.
1: Exactly, and then you know the the words that we use to talk about the the farm that the chickens were raised on are exactly the words that anyone's legally allowed to use, right. To to describe the situation that these chickens were raised in, which but they're
0: not anything special.
1: No, it's not. You know, I think what people have in mind if they hear farm fresh, farm raised chickens,
0: all f- chickens and are raised. Yeah, All chickens is are raised that they, they have farms, access
1: right. to, you know, an area that's just, it just needs to be a few feet by a few feet that if they can make it out of, you know, this chicken coop that they're in. Then right. Yeah, they can they can graze. Call it free range. <laughs> well, and that's but sort it's of not the pasture raised that you're imagining when you hear right. those words. Well,
0: and that's the whole point of the film. Yeah. Sort of pointing The whole out, point was that. Right.
1: And the whole point is actually much bigger than that. And so, you know, what this was was just talking about the rest, the restaurant part of it, right? And actually, the goal through the restaurant was to figure out if, if like, is there a better way to do this? Is there a better model? And as far as I know, I'm not in direct contact with Morgan's team. Okay. I get Your asked contract is done. on a regular basis. But yes, I was just hired to do the promotion for the Holy Chicken take uh, pop-up restaurant mm-hmm. that happened last year. But from what I hear, there actually still are plans to open a Holy Chicken franchise okay and you know after the movie comes out so there there was nothing really joke or what we're burying here so you so
0: once you went into the restaurant again the mayor showed up you know every television station showed up you actually transferred you came to my house and transferred (laughs) with a, a production assistant to get the footage from the news station so i imagine that will be in the film when you go though to the restaurant, there are sort of snarky sayings pointing out to you, "Hey, this is this many calories," and "Hey, this water is actually just Columbus tap water, and it's probably the healthiest thing that you can have here." And so the news crews, everybody shows up, and I think they felt duped. Be- but that's actually the point,
1: <laughs> right? But I mean, the
0: problem is, is they actually they they felt duped, but. They still went ahead and did a normal quote unquote, this famous person is doing a pop-up and didn't talk about what he was trying to prove because they couldn't because it's difficult to put that into a four-minute news story.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you probably needed a two-hour movie to exactly. really explain the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: I don't think we're even properly explaining it, but I think the 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 point I want to make is you actually got in hot water with your media contacts because they we're like, how could we possibly ever trust you again? And it's like, I didn't lie to you. <laughs> I literally just transferred information. I was hired because I know you, and Morgan, and you ate literally ate it up. And I just, I, I would hope that those relationships are on the mend at this point, and everybody's sort of like, oh, I get it. This isn't Shelley's quote unquote fault. I just think it's an interesting. We as a city need to be a little bit, we should certainly continue to be smart and open, but we need to be a little bit less starstruck <laughs> when things happen. So,
1: yeah, yeah. The whole situation. I mean, it's it's I've never experienced anything quite like it. Yeah. You know, I hope that you people it? I'd like to see the movie movie before I make a decision about if I that. Regret it or not. Are you but in the I movie, do you think? I not. I don't know.
0: Were you on camera much?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was on, there were cameras in the restaurant the entire weekend, and I was there the entire weekend, so.
0: But you were never, like, interviewed and no. asked, like, how did you, did you dupe these
1: people? No, or any, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. No, and, you know, I think that my hope right afterwards is that everyone, you know, would believe me when I say that I would never do anything to harm Columbus or if. Right. If they asked me to do to take this on, like, hey, we have this project where we're going to trick the city of Columbus into eating something that they didn't agree to eat. <laughs> I would have said no. No, I'm not. Interested. <laughs> you know, like, no way. So, you know, the 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 bigger mission behind the restaurant in terms of I think that when you go into a restaurant and you read a menu, you should understand what you're getting and you know if you go into the grocery store and you see free range eggs and you pay like three dollars more than you would for the carton next to it that you should be getting a better product right I mean that's what and realizing
0: that it's not necessary it may be a slightly better product but yeah you need to be an educated consumer and and know what that value is right and that value I would hope isn't just associated with Marketing, marketing, lang- marketing. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: So you know the whole the bigger concept is something that I really stand behind, mm-hmm. and I hope that the movie can make a difference in that way. Yeah. And so in that way, no, I don't regret it. And I, you know, yeah, like I said, I mean, I I was really hired to do a job, which I did, which is yeah. get people to come out to the pop up restaurant. You know, it, I I think what Morgan's goal, you know, he wanted people to come out and experience it, and not kind of get the you know the
0: not get what he was doing to them yeah like yeah. not
1: you know like read an article that explains exactly what it was exactly. and then feel like you don't have to go because you get it now you
0: get the joke right
1: <laughs> so he wanted people to come out and experience it and that's what we did you know we got a lot of people out there yeah and a lot of people had a great time. A lot of people really liked eating the food. A lot of people um, understood what was going on. Yeah. No. Yeah. The chicken sandwich was great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It it tasted just as good as, you know, like in
0: any other chicken
1: sandwich restaurant, chicken sandwich would. Um, Right. (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely interesting. And yeah, I mean, I will always say like, as soon as I, when I send out a press release about a restaurant opening in Columbus, Mm -hmm generally it's kind of (laughs) crickets. I mean, you know, like the most we can hope for is, you know, like an article in the dispatch and something on Columbus Underground and, you know, something like that. And a review in a live. (laughs) Right. When I sent out a press release saying that Morgan Spurlock is opening a restaurant in Columbus, immediately it was every news outlet called me back. Yep. (laughs) So I found that to be just interesting.
0: Yeah, we need to stop doing that. So, <laughs> cool. Shelly, uh, thank you so much for your time. And again, check out Dine Originals Week, September 18th through 24th. Yeah. Say thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Sitting down here with Matthew Higgins and Katie Randazzo, the chefs and co-owners of Ambrose and Eve. Ambrose and Eve up to this point has been a pop-up, experience around columbus uh for sort of a dinner party atmosphere they are opening up a new permanent space on high street just south of
2: Tremont. yeah it's right next to Tremont and like clutchy republic okay and we'll be next to the new seven sun sour beer bar that's opening up as well
0: oh fantastic when's that coming
2: they think they're going to be open in a couple months
0: okay that's ambitious (laughs) they're ambitious people we all are
2: yeah that's why we like them
0: we all are Give me the elevator pitch on
3: Ambrose and Eve.
2: Ambrose and Eve is named after my dad's parents. And what we're trying to build is a...
3: We want to have a nice, fun dinner party every night. We want you to to feel like you're coming to one of our grandparents or mother's house and you have a really good time. But at the end of it, you have to help pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I assume that will translate in the
0: atmosphere and also the food. It's not people have to show up at a set time. It is a traditional restaurant.
3: It's, a, it's going to be a very traditional restaurant. The menu will change very frequently based on what's available okay. seasonally and the things that we're interested in. We'll be focusing mostly on Americana, okay? Trying to update that and make that a little bit more interesting, but we'll do a lot of other modern preparations as well. Give me some examples of dishes people might get there.
2: My grandmother was notoriously famous for making veal Parmesan, and I say veal in quotation marks because it was actually chicken.
1: And she (laughs) believed
2: that if you pounded it thin enough, then no one would know the difference between the veal and the chicken. Okay. So it was a tradition. Every time we would go visit her in Akron, she was like, Oh, I tried my veal Parmesan. We're like, okay, Mimi. You know? <laughs> so one of the first things we discussed when we were discussing the restaurant and the concept and the name and everything behind it was that story. Okay. And so
0: And so, did you get there just because you were looking for a name or you set out and you were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to name it this?
2: It was The name has been in development for, I would say, about two years almost. And there was a couple other spaces that we had looked at that fell through. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was very dead set on naming it Ambrose and Eve. I Got think it has a nice flow to it. It's masculine. It's feminine.
0: Yeah. Ambrose is not a name that I'm actually familiar with. Right. It's a really old school name. Yeah. Yeah. What's sort of the short, you're Matthew and hence Matt. Is there a short version of Ambrose?
2: Bro. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: and it should be said, your background, Katie, you're the proprietor of originally Hala Food Truck and also Hollow, which is in woodlands woodlands tavern yeah how did you get into this business
2: well i used to date this girl i met her six years ago i think okay she lived in new york at the time and i was feeling very stagnant in columbus and i liked her so i decided to move to new york and push my boundaries and learn more about the culinary field and get more educated at that as well and She's Jewish, and I was in the process of opening a food truck, but I put it on hold to move to New York. Okay. And she moved back with me to open the truck, mm-hmm. and because she had not ever worked in the service industry, we, we or I had decided on doing Jewish food because I wanted a way for her to feel connected to the business. Okay. And be able to fit in and bring some ideas to the table
0: but you're Jewish as well.
2: No, I'm not. I'm Sicilian. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not Jewish. My nose confuses people, but no, I'm, ju- I'm not well, Jewish. Well, I guess I
0: always assumed because you were the proprietor of right. you know, a, a Jewish food establishment. Well,
2: I opened the Jewish food establishment based on this ex-girlfriend. Okay. Well, sometimes important. that's the important. way it goes.
3: The ish part is really important. Yeah, there. Jew-ish.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's
0: jew you know. Yeah. And so, Hollow's going well, and sort of this Ambrose and Eve is sort of the next endeavor for Correct, you. Correct, yeah. Great. And Matthew, I don't believe you and I have ever met. I don't think so. We're, tell me about your background. How did you get here?
3: I don't know. 39 years ago, my parents. <laughs> Two people loved each other very <laughs> that's too, much. Well, that's too far back. That's questionable. I used to work in, like, I don't know, an office. I used to work for AT&T for a really okay. long time. I worked there for eight years, and I think I liked it for eight days. Okay. <laughs> eventually they offered me uh an early retirement and i took it and i had been cooking off and on and then before that okay it's something that i like doing i like taking care of people uh-huh so Just dinner parties in your home or you were well, i mean i worked, cooking on the like working in a kitchen on the side like working yeah working in a kitchen on on the side i got laid off from at&t and i worked at this little place called elemental that was over where black creek bistro is now yeah yeah like, Actual employment from time to time, but mostly just kind of like fun stuff. So I cashed out my retirement and went to D.C. and okay. got a job at a fine dining restaurant and got my got the shit kicked out of me for like a full year. Okay, um, And then kind of like half got it kicked out of me for a couple more years. And then I bought a food truck and drove it back Okay, and ran a food truck here for a couple of years. What uh, food truck is that? It was the Swoop food truck. It was ah, okay. really big in this neighborhood. It was yeah. huge. <laughs> <laughs> we did some, some additional pop-ups, and we're kind of like growing on track to get a restaurant open, and then some okay. things happen, and then I didn't do it anymore. Well, so. and that's
0: the way that kind of stuff goes. I mean, mm-hmm. as someone who was passively involved in a you know, food establishment, that's sort of how things happen.
3: Yeah, it's life. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. So then I was at the Flatiron for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was at the Rossi until pretty recently. Okay. And now I'm doing this. Great. Great. Talk about the
0: process of you guys had looked at a couple of different spaces that had fallen through. I imagine sometimes the price wasn't right or somebody else came in and or the landlord wasn't amenable to what you guys wanted to do there. So, what I, Sometimes what I like to do is sort of get into the inside baseball of how did you do this? For someone who hasn't opened a restaurant or is thinking of just opening a business, what are the pitfalls? Don't of do it. It. <laughs> it is way too much work.
2: It's like don't do it. I've always wanted to put a restaurant into an old house because I feel like customer service is very big for me as well as for Matt. Mm-hmm. It's something that we're actually really going to focus on in the restaurant.
0: Okay. So similar to like Elena's. Is that what you mean by
3: old house? Yes. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. I
2: thought you were talking <laughs> about customer service.
3: We've talked more <laughs> at this point about service by far than we've talked about food. Yeah. Okay.
2: So the idea of putting something into a house where you immediately walk in, you immediately feel comfortable, you immediately feel like you're in someone's home and that you're going to have a great time and someone's going to take care of you in that mom or grandmother kind of way always has appealed to me. Okay. So there was a house over on Washington over kind of by Parsons Children's yeah. Hospital area.
0: So on the other side of the freeway. Correct. Okay.
2: That I had looked at. But in order to build that out, it was an old house. And so to build it out into a restaurant, It was just going to be way too much money. Was it even
0: zoned for that?
2: It was zoned for that, actually. Yeah. And there were some structural issues. And so passed on that. And then till was for sale Mm -hmm. last year. Was it last year? Last year. year. And we got into some pretty heavy negotiations on till. Okay. But Blake Compton came in and did a walkthrough and was like, don't do it. Okay. And there are some. Just
0: you knew it was going to be too much. Yeah. He okay. was like,
2: there's a lot of structural issues. There's some issues with the hood system. And also, the lease was really shoddy and it just felt. Well, a little... they
0: wanted to continue to own the space, right?
2: No. The original chef's parents owned that building. Ah, and he's, okay. He was selling the building. Okay. And the lease was like super shoddy and it just seemed a little shady. So I passed on that. And so then. One day I was at Seven Sun and Colin Castor came up to me and he was like, hey, are you still looking for a restaurant space? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. And he he said, we are opening a sour beer bar on South High Mm -hmm. and the space next to us is available for a lease for a restaurant. I really think that you should take a look at it. And he emailed the Kelly Brothers, a.k.a. the Property Brothers. (laughs) They're just both so handsome. Okay. They look so much alike.
3: They're like twins that aren't twins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like that show, like the Property yeah. Brothers.
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I don't watch that show. <laughs> I, I don't watch it either. I I've just, seen it. Yeah. Yes.
2: And so he put me in touch with those guys, and the ball just started rolling.
0: Okay. And the right. price was right. The price was the...
2: right. The lease was. The lease agreement was great. They were really flexible on any changes that we wanted to put in. Okay. And since the my food truck has been at Seven Sun... For four years, mm-hmm. two days a week for four years, I already have a really, really good relationship with them. Matt also has a really good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. It just felt right. It felt very symbiotic. Right. It felt like we were going to have a good partnership without being partners and that we could really feed off of each other and generate a really good buzz on that corner.
3: That's great. Yeah. And walk me through where exactly is it? I'm trying to think of what the cross street is and Franklin. I can't. It's across the street from Grange Insurance and the local bar and. So you're yeah. south of the Panera? Yeah. Yes. Okay. About a block south of the Panera. Okay. Next to Kalachi,
2: Kalachi Republic. Kalachi Republic. And there's a head shop that went in over there, too.
0: So it's that little strip uh-huh. of, it's not the antique, big it antique. It is the old antique mall. Oh, okay. yeah, Great. So that's We're going to be half of that. S- that's, being that's being subsectioned. Yeah. And so, got it. Now we'll I We'll be on
2: one half and Sevenson will be on the other half.
0: Now I understand. Cool. Talk to me more about some of the
3: dishes that you guys expect to be serving.
2: Back to the chicken parmesan, uh-huh. veal oh. parmesan.
3: Yeah, so we kind of knew initially that we wanted to figure out some way to do that if it wasn't going to be chicken or if it was going to actually be veal. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, veal sweetbreads taste exactly like chicken, only the best chicken you've ever had.
0: <laughs> <All> right.
3: <laughs> so we did some playing around, some tinkering with that. We felt like it needed a little bit more acidity to kind of like cut through the richness of that. So yeah. we started to play around with the raspberry marinara, marinara and then we. Have like a really good thing that we're super happy about. It's
2: beautiful. It's a really, really good dish. We have to get the right cheese or my dad will kill us.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, a lot of the things at the restaurant will be I'm not going to say like small plates, but tidier portions. Okay. You know, kind of actually meant for everyone. So, not
0: comfort food. That should not, you don't imagine people would say that to describe it. It's much more
3: Americana. I would I would say, like, much more Americana.
2: I think we're going to be compared to Rock Mill, Sycamore.
3: Yeah. But, you know, the food will kind of, like, stand on its own and be its own thing. We're talking about cheese balls. And one of the things we know for sure that we are going to serve is a comfort food deal. But, huh. You'll order uh, fried chicken, and then someone will bring you a bucket of fried chicken, and then someone will bring you a tray of macaroni and cheese, and then someone will all bring right. you, like, some coleslaw, and then someone will bring you braised green beans, and we're going to just, like, lay it all the way out. Awesome. <laughs> so we have some ideas kind of tailored around how some of those dishes made us feel. Got it. And have you guys done pop-ups yet? We've done
0: two. Two. Okay, was,
2: uh, three, three, yeah, yeah, like two, two or three,
0: and so you're sort of using that to figure out the menu, um, see what people like, see get, hopefully, honest criticism behind it. Not a huge revenue generator, I imagine. Now, no, more keeping people
3: engaged. I think. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, like you say, we're gonna open a restaurant, and you know, at that time, and over a year, right? We just felt like it was best for us to do that. As a way to test some things out and try to mm-hmm. do some things, but also to keep people engaged. Like, yeah, no, this is actually, this is still happening. This is what we're doing because that happens a lot. People will be like, oh, I heard there was going to be a stops opening here. Right. Because I'm yeah. sure that was a plan at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I showed up today to get some coffee and it's not open yet.
0: No, uh, the stops here at the Idea Foundry opens on the 21st. And
3: it made me really sad. But I didn't, like, from hearing that there was going to be a stops open to there being a stops open. There's there's nothing in between. Right. So we're trying to like maintain something in between. Good. Yeah, Smart. So what's your timeline look like right now?
2: March. OK. Yeah. So you've Which got actually some time is coming up pretty quickly. It
3: well, is. Yeah. It feels like a long time to some people. But to me, it feels like it's a wolf like right on my heels. Like
2: in my head, I'm already in December. I'm like, OK, I'm like in December and then January comes. and We get the keys and then it's go,
3: go, go.
0: Right. And so, what That's sort of the build-out plan look like? Like, what do
3: you have to, what has to be arranged in order for you guys to get going? So, they actually just finished, like, the baseline demo right. a few days ago. Okay. They're doing, like, a walkthrough to check our MEP and all our specs and make sure that everything's going to work the way, you know, at least in planning. What's MEP? I don't know. Mechanical something. Mechanical Extra electrical power. yeah, Something, something. like
2: that. I don't, okay. I don't know the technical term for it. I just know MEP.
3: Yeah, like, I, I know what they do. I just don't Got know it. what it stands for. Okay, cool. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> and so what we'll get, hopefully, on the other side of that is an okay to go ahead and white box the space. Okay. Or, you know, drywall, like, mm-hmm. no no, no finishing touches. There's going to be an elevation in the kitchen. Okay. There's going to be, like, a really huge chunk of the kitchen that is uh, designated down. for uh, for, oh, for uh, the ADA ramp. Then they're, they're
2: tearing down half the building.
3: Okay. <laughs> so there's some large things that need to do need to be done, and then they'll be kind of like reassembling it into this nice tidy package. Gotcha.
0: So while you guys say you're taking over, because it's a huge. When you said half of it, I was like, that's huge. Yeah, but it's
2: going to be a little bit smaller than probably what much. you. Not much. It's gonna. It's it's such a decent sized space. How for How many sure. seats are you looking at? Between eighty and a hundred. That's yeah. a lot. With the patio.
0: Okay. So we're gonna have a patio. That's a lot.
2: And that patio is beautiful
0: awesome Ugh. yeah the renderings are oh are very so exciting. good looking <laughs> so you guys are working on you have a permanent pop-up at three sheets tell me about that
3: ambrose and eve's burger shack okay it's pretty straight up and down just that you serve burgers we serve burgers, burgers chicken like sandwiches
2: classic riffs on really our favorite junk food to eat like jalapeno poppers and funions and potato skins
3: okay it kind of jumped out of one of our pop-ups we had a junk food pop-up Okay. We were like kind of already talking about doing this pop up at Three Sheets. And we we're like, well, we should just keep this food because it's really good. So,
0: is it technically a pop up anymore if you're semi permanent? I, I, pop- I think it's a pop up if you don't own it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. No. Don't, you don't, so, wait, would technically Hala at Woodlands, Woodlands be considered a pop up? I
2: think so. Yeah. Okay.
0: There you go. All right. Where's Three Sheets?
2: It's uh, next to the high back on South High, very close to where our restaurant's going to be.
3: 560 South High Street. Yeah. Okay.
2: And part of the reason why we wanted to be in that neighborhood is so we could generate buzz and get, get the neighborhood people. familiar with our style and like yeah. things that they can expect at Ambrose and Eve, the restaurant, even though the style is going to be completely different. Right,
3: food. but we the attention like, that's paid to it is the same. Yeah, you know. It's well, like, and it's interesting. I think you guys are slowly but surely br- building a brand up.
2: Oh, for sure.
3: Yeah, because I mean, that's I shouldn't say end goal, but that's the goal. Like that's the way through. Mm-hmm. We want to open a few restaurants, and we don't want to like open this restaurant and then open another of the same restaurant and then another of the same restaurant. We'd like to own a variety of restaurants uh, that do different things and are all interesting, but have kind of a similar underlying aesthetic.
0: You guys are the future Cameron Mitchells.
2: I wouldn't compare us to him, but <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> fair. Fair. Have you reached out to, the, is it Kalachi?
2: Kalachi Republic.
0: Kalachi I actually Republic went to guys. high school with
2: that guy. My mom and his mom with Which one? you. Okay. My mom and his mom taught high school together, or junior high together.
0: No kidding. Yeah. So I lived right next door in high school to Dustin. Did you? Not high school, college. Oh,
2: okay.
3: When I was at Ohio State. Oh, we, really? We both lived, like, off of King oh, that's so funny! Yeah, I've been in twice since uh-huh. we've been kicking around in that neighborhood, and I enjoyed my food a lot. But I feel like they have a lot of regulars, like like yeah. the people that came in around me, like while I was there, everybody was like greeted on a first name basis. Okay, they 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 walked in the door and they knew what they were going to eat. So there's a testament to that. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: huge. I and mean, customer service is such a big deal that I feel like a lot of restaurants and businesses fail on on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, well, and what's interesting, what I've seen sort of is as We had that big sort of, I don't want to call it a renaissance, but like everything got really good, really fast. Places like Curio and Sycamore and like all came up and then some places, I am not going to name which ones, you go back, you know, maybe it took a couple years, but a couple years later, it's like, oh, there's not as much like they don't want to tell you about what's in it because maybe they don't know or maybe they're too busy and there's not as much focus on the customer service end of I think things. that's fully fair
3: to say.
2: I completely agree. Well, okay. Yeah.
3: Have you seen that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And that's,
2: like, why Matt and I have had so many conversations on customer service, continued education with the servers. Yeah. Like, wine education, spirit education, food education, so that they can answer the questions. They can tell you where it came from. They know what's well, in they're it. Exci- like,
0: and they need and to they be excited, excited about it. Because like, the problem yeah. is, is those people who are super good at customer service and, like take extra time and, like, train themselves and read books. And I'm thinking about more, like, alcohol and beer at this point who, like, want to talk to the customer about, like, what is a sour beer or what makes a lager. And those people actually, because they're so good, they get promoted to management. Mm -hmm. And then the people that come in under them don't take the time or as passionate, and they're just sort of like, this is my job to sling beers or drinks or whatever it is. And, yeah, I mean, that really does differentiate a business to me well
2: i think um, yeah. i think part of that is people are going to college and they're like i'm just serving and this is just like my part-time right. job while i work on my degree but people are maybe not ashamed isn't the right word but like it's okay to be a professional server yeah that, that can be your career it's a, and it's like so, a restaurant
3: professional yeah like that is a real thing yeah, Absolutely, when you go is. other places you that like new like right, york in la
2: DC. like that's yeah. that's totally a thing there well when there are
0: people so like i'm thinking first of all uh, while we may be snarky about it sometimes the cameron mitchell restaurants do a really good job of at least having a baseline i completely they attract great people they take care service. of
3: people yeah yeah
2: They take care of their staff extremely well. Like I will say that I admire his business motto and the way that he takes care of customers and mm -hmm. the way he takes care of guests. It's great. Like Absolutely, it's great. That milkshake
0: thing and whatever. What? Do you know about the milkshake thing? No. So if you ever go into a Cameron Mitchell restaurant, some of the servers or host staff or managers have a, a little lapel pin that is a milkshake, and it's representative of... Going into a place and saying, hey, all I want is a milkshake and a, there's no milkshake on the menu. And the, and the standard should be if you have the things you need to make a milkshake, just make them a milkshake rather than, you know, having to. Dis- what's the, there's a movie where the guy wants to order a BLT and there's all the ingredients for the BLT are on. Oh, his-
2: yeah. What is that movie? Uh,
0: is it Jack Nicholson is not that scene?
2: I don't, I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't recall the...
0: I will put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> but it's basically just the philosophy, give them what they want. And now that I think about it, it's sort of the established places like Barcelona, the places that have been in Columbus for like 20 years or 30 years, I don't know how long they've been here. And Tapatio was, when it was still around, was... Those are career servers, and so they're passionate about what they Lindy's
2: has a lot of career servers. Lindy's,
0: great example as well. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: we're hoping to attract those people, literally, Literally, because yeah. we'll also come and work about...
0: for Ambrose and Eve.
2: <laughs> so, we're gonna offer profit sharing for our so that's part of your model, correct? Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: So, Have yeah, you I mean, out how that's gonna look exactly. Yeah
2: we talked about it, but we don't have anything I would say in like finite details as okay. of yet. But it's
0: so basically, what you guys will do is say employees have X percentage of ownership of the company. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that they're not going to get vested or anything, no. right? But while they work
3: there, what every quarter, every we'll pay down a percentage of the restaurant's profits. Okay, kind of a scale across employees to management. And that'll be based on hours worked, I assume, plus seniority. Hours worked, seniority. Okay, we just feel like it will really incentivize people to do a good job, to yeah. be a professional,
2: to take care in it. Because essentially, like that restaurant is also theirs in a way, so right. they'll treat it like it's their own. It's their own space. So,
0: do you feel like you're going to have to open up your books a little bit and sort of say, like, here's what, here's how we're doing, I, basically?
3: I think that's what that is going to be mm-hmm. i'm just like this, super this
0: curious because i as a somebody who's done who's been involved in a restaurant space sort of passively and then also as somebody who's consulted on like bar marketing and stuff i always get sort of an itch when somebody's like i'm gonna spend this amount of money on this and i haven't been asked about it and i'm like that seems like a lot of money to spend on wi-fi or it seems like a lot of money to spend on like commercial cable for a restaurant or a bar is crazy it's really expensive. It's really expensive.
2: It's, we don't want we want TVs. Well yeah,
0: but it's it's stuff like that. And I just wonder if and this is totally just me thinking things through, is do you have a risk of the employees then being like, why are we spending so much money on veal? Do you worry you're gonna open
3: yourself up to that? I guess I'm just wondering i I never if you've about I never
2: worried about it.
3: Okay. I, I don't really that's why I kind of like step back a bit from employee owners okay to profit sharing like those are not the same things. yes or, or they don't have to be the same things they can be right so we make, it's basically bonuses yeah. yeah i mean performance-based bonuses yeah. yeah absolutely exactly and i mean you guys are going to put yourselves out but yeah it's based on the success of the space and it's tied directly to all of our performance mm-hmm. from how we implement Our ideas into the kitchen to how people execute them, Mm -hmm. to how our GM runs the flow of service, to how, you know, individual servers and bartenders, like, execute it. Mm -hmm.
2: How we manage our labor, how we manage our food costs.
3: Right. How are you guys splitting,
0: as business partners, how are you sort of splitting up your duties? Well, so.
3: What's what's your role? Generally, generally, because I am a little bit more of a night owl and she likes to get moving a little bit more during the day. Mm -hmm. She'll be more or less in charge of what's going on during the day. And I'll be more or less in charge of what's going on at night. Okay. You know, we'll meet like all of the food that we put out will be, a, will be our food and we'll test all the recipes together. We'll okay. train people to implement them together.
2: Exactly the same way. There won't be any differences. Got it. Which is important. I think it's very important consistency. We, consistency. Yeah. Consistency. And we we are on the same page with that in the burger shack right now. Like before I send anything out, I ask Matt if he's okay with it and he does the same with me as well mm-hmm. because I think there's a mutual level of respect that we have for each other. Mm-hmm. Each other's opinions and also like we want to be successful. So we want to run it's better to have two eyes. Right. Four eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: both Eight have glasses. Eyes. <laughs> Eight <laughs> eyes. <laughs>
2: in the kitchen than none, so like, yeah. Right,
0: so uh-huh. what about like, I'm just curious about like, what about accounting?
3: What about payroll? What about, I think it's a really good idea to hire someone do the things that you are good at <laughs> yep. and yep. hire people to do the things that you are not great at. Again, having done this before, I'm just curious, what have you identified at this point of like,
0: mm, we probably need a lawyer sometimes or well, like, we need an accountant. So a lawyer,
3: a bookkeeper, an accountant. Mm-hmm. Are those separate? Yes. Okay. Bookkeepers day to day—that's actually the difference. Like day to day, bookkeepers are much less expensive, and yep. what they do is they kind of like collate things. Like they keep they every flower receipts. They put things into, into spreadsheets. Yeah. And then your accountant does the heavy lifting, right? Yeah.
2: And the bookkeeper could easily be the general manager too.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. It's just somebody who has that skill set and knows how to work QuickBooks or whatever you guys decide on using. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. You're going to have
3: beer and liquor or? Yes. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Congratulations. We're
3: going to focus on ciders. Okay. We feel like people's idea of cider is very American right now. Yeah. Be- <laughs> it's like what? Angry it's Orchard?
2: The, oh. Like, you Angry Orchard. Yeah. There
0: yeah. are like eight Angry Orchards, though. Right. <laughs> so, but you will have a sort of a depth and breadth of a, of a cider menu. Yeah. Liquor. Yes. Yeah. We'll okay. Literally- great. So
3: you'll have some cocktails, you'll have, and then we'll have a couple of drafts, and then we'll we're gonna have a couple of drafts. We're gonna, literally okay. like we're gonna, two. Yeah. That's cheap. Yeah. Or for implementation. Well, I the mean, space
2: is limited.
3: Right. So I well, mean- like it's a pretty big space, but there are two walls in the middle of that okay. restaurant that cannot move because they're holding the building. They're load up. bearing, right? Okay. And and then we have a lead-lined room. uh, (laughs) Oh, it was a bank. (laughs) (laughs) Or something. something. Yeah, or something. So
2: that can't come down either. So, so.
3: you know, like, it it would be cost prohibitive to do anything with that. Right. So those things kind of, like, pinch our space. And then some of the space in the room where we're going to put the bar is being co-opted for a flight of stairs to go upstairs to the apartment that's upstairs. Okay. So there are so many, like, really, really good local craft beers that are available in bottles and cans yeah uh, right Thankfully. now that we feel like we can still manage a really good selection you're gonna like, keep pbr tall boys there for me or i mean i almost well you. maybe
2: we'll keep them in the kitchen okay there'll be a kitchen beer you can buy for the kitchen
3: got it <laughs> and there'll be an extra one for you yeah thank you <laughs> Anytime. Anytime.
2: <laughs>
0: guys thank you so much for coming in again thanks uh, for having is us. there a website that i can link to we're working on it. Matthew Higgins, Katie Randazzo, Ambrose and Eve, thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite restaurateur. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.